Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Are you British? I'm British. Would you like a spot of tea and a bit of coffee? Not today. <laughs> Not today, mate. Not today. That's Australian. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Welcome to Crime Shots. I'm Bree. And I'm Nikki. Okay, so this is a long one. I'm going to get started. This is the Stonegate Mansion. Ooh. <laughs> I know I said it. It made it sound real epic, right? Better let it live up to the hype. <laughs> It's gonna suck if I if I bomb this and then it's like, oh, that's that's it. That's all Stone Gate <laughs> Mansion and then nothing. Right, but kudos to me for making it sound great, right? That's my acting yeah. skills. <laughs> We're sort of caught. Alright. So Stonegate Mansion is in Fort Worth, Texas. It's a community right next to Texas Christian University. So this mansion has been a private home, a restaurant. A church and is now an event facility okay i found out about this place when i was looking for wedding venues you know because i got married this year mm-hmm. and then i unlooked at it really fast <laughs> it's super expensive it is and it's in fort worth so um the original owner of the location was matilda buford i very well could be saying that wrong but someone will let us know i'm sure well how's it spelled <laughs> M-A-T-I-L-D-A, Matilda, mm-hmm. Buford, B-U-F-O-R-D. So, Buford or Buford, and I went Bufford. With- <laughs> <laughs> Bufford. Like, Somebody- Bront. Oh, Bront. Yeah, somebody's going to message us and be like, it's actually before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We're from Texas, people, and Texas is a big state, and we don't know. So I'm going to call it Buford. Buford. So, and at the time, in 1918, it was 304 acres. That's a lot. I'm sorry, I was taking a drink. Um, Yes, that is a very large <laughs> 300 acres. Yeah, good. Okay. That's a nice size Yeah, place. it is. <laughs> so, in 1925, Buford built a home and a few barns on the property. Then, in 1927, I'm going to say she... Because Matilda just sounds like a she. I would hope so. Yeah, well, you know. But we don't know. Yeah, 1927, it could be anything. They, uh, She sold 10 of the 304 acres to TMP Railroad. So TMP Railroad was Texas and Pacific Railway Rail. <laughs> Try again. Okay. Texas Pacific Railway Company, and it ran from 1871 to 1976. In other words, there's like a large rail yard that's connected to the land, mm-hmm. which is known now in present day as the Union Pacific Rail Yard. Of course, Union Pacific. We are very familiar with Union Pacific Railroad. 
not as familiar as I thought we were because we've heard oh. some recent stuff that okay. I didn't know occurred on the railroad. You know what I'm saying? We're going to have to ask dad. Ask, ask dad. dad. Now, the Trinity River actually runs in between where the rail yard is and where the land is. So there's the river that runs in between them. So in 1940, the property was sold in judgment to Kenneth W. Davis. So basically, there was some type of lien on the property. It was auctioned off, and Davis bought it. Okay. Lucky you, Davis. I don't think he needed luck. (laughs) Okay. Kenneth was born in Pennsylvania, but got involved in the oil industry in Texas, which is... That's crazy. I'm going to Pennsylvania next week. (gasps) Yes, you are. That's so exciting. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. It's Pennsylvania, but uh, okay, go ahead. I hear a lot of interesting things happen there. You know, like there's people there with places and things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, he got involved in the oil industry in Texas, which is where he got his wealth developing Ken Davis Industries. Why does that sound familiar? Because it is a ridiculously large petroleum company in okay. Texas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kenneth was married to Alice May Bound, and they had three children. Kenneth W. Davis Jr., Thomas Cullen Davis, and William S. Davis. Okay. These sons were thriving children. So Kenneth W. Davis Jr. was the oldest son. When he turned Mm -hmm. 18, he enlisted in the U.S. Army and served an active tour of duty in Italy during World War II as a rifleman in the 34th Infantry Division. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he returned home in 1946 and left the Army to continue his education. He graduated from Texas A&M University whoop, oh. with a degree in engineering in 1949. He then went to work for a couple of different companies, holding several different types of positions, ranging from salesman to vice president. He met and married Alinda Billard in Fort Worth. And they moved to Lubbock, and they had three children. So, Kenneth Jr. kept moving around, bouncing from company to company. He became president and board chairman of Laughlin Brothers in 1959. Um, And under his leadership, Laughlin Brothers became the world's largest drilling contractor at the time. Okay. So, Ken also established the Ken W. Davis Foundation in 1956 to help people acquire basic needs and support education that promotes the freedoms set forth in the U.S. Constitution. It wasn't until 1981 that Ken actually moved back to Fort Worth. So, William Davis, the youngest brother, they called him Bill, was involved in a much more artistic aspect of the family business. So, he developed what's known as the William S. Davis Collection. This is based out of Fort Worth, and it consists of artwork and memorabilia and items that are historic to Fort Worth as well as the railroad enthusiast. Okay. So some of his con- some of his contributions to this collection include a personal note from JFK with Ooh. a picture of his visit to Fort Worth, an encyclopedia of Western lawmen and outlaws by J. Robert Nash, a collection of research notes, printed materials and photographs about the mid-continent building also called the Fort Worth Club Building, a collection of newspaper clipper clippings about the railroad, and a small American flag with a pin that says little engine that could. <laughs> That's sweet. <laughs> 
I just thought that was absolutely adorable. So he basically retrieved art memorabilia for Fort Worth and the railroad. Um, and that's kind of where he thrived and he, that was the direction that he went in. The middle brother, Thomas Davis, known to most people as Cullen, graduated from Texas Mm A&M, married Sandra Master in 1962, and they had two sons, Cullen Jr. and Brian Davis. Now, Cullen had a reputation for being a socialite, having a bad temper, Mm -hmm. being frivolous with the ladies, and oftentimes women referred to him as being creepy. (laughs) (laughs) It's so weird because there's a lot of people that refer to him as just, he's a creepy dude. Well, he has a Cullen name. Does that make him creepy? I don't know. You're thinking of Twilight. Mm -hmm. So, automatically he's a vampire. (laughs) Could be. Let's see. So, um, Sandra accused Cullen of beating her, and she told everyone that they both wanted out of the marriage. Cullen met Priscilla Lee Childers from Dublin, Texas. Dublin? Dublin! Man, this is like so familiar areas, man. A&M, Fort Worth, Dublin, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Union Pacific. Yes, girl, yes. (laughs) It gets better. Okay. So this woman was the epitome of a blonde bombshell. Everybody referred to her as just like the most gorgeous woman they've ever seen. I've seen pictures of her. Meh, you know. <laughs> I mean, if you like the tall, beautiful blonde, then I mean, I guess. <laughs> With like a perfect little face and no flaws whatsoever, if you like that kind of thing. She had actually been married twice and had three children. Her first husband, Jasper Baker, uh, and her had her first child, Dee Baker. Then when she met Colin, she was actually married to a successful car dealer named Jack Wilburn. And they actually had two children together, Jackie Wilburn and Andrea Wilburn. Andrea, Andrea, it's Texas. I'm going to say Andrea. Andrea. I'm going to say Andrea. So she will forever be known as Andrea from now on in this podcast. Okay. So, surprise, surprise, each of them divorced their spouses. Mm. Well, okay, so they divorced their spouses. They start dating, like, almost immediately. So then, Cullen's mother, Alice, passed away in 1967 at the age of 66, and his father, Kenneth, passed away just a year later in 1968 at the age of 72. By some morbid circumstances, that is unbeknownst to me, Cullen and Priscilla got married the same day his father died. Oh. Like, within hours. Like, they were at the okay. memorial service, and he's like, this is my wife, Priscilla. And they were like, what? when did that? Happen. He's like, oh, the other day when dad died, remember? Crazy. <laughs> well, I find it odd. I do find it odd. I mean, who gets married on their parents' death day? I tell you, Colin and Priscilla, that's who. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's suspicious. So, upon Kenneth Davis Sr.'s death, the ownership of the company's money and land transferred to his three sons, Kenneth Davis Jr., Colin Davis, and Bill Davis. The brothers received equal shares of their father's estate. Each brother continued to flourish in their own business ventures, including keeping the family business, Ken Davis Industries. Under their management, the family business went from $300 million to $1.3 billion in sales in just 10 years. Mm-hmm. And of course, Colin was there to shower all of his women with a life of luxury. Of course. So in 1972, Cullen spent six million dollars to build the most luxurious home on the property that the brothers had inherited, replacing the home and barns that once stood there. Designed by Albert S. Komotsu and Associates. Oh yeah, I got that out the first try. (laughs) The first try. The mansion had 
five bedrooms, 11 bathrooms, a glass walled indoor pool, a 2,000 square foot master bedroom, luxurious courtyards, tunnels, and balconies, and was decorated with more than 100 oil paintings. Well, that sounds nice. I'm telling you. 2,000 square foot bedroom, jeez. I feel like I could get over the name Cullen. (laughs) (laughs) And the fact that he's not faithful (laughs) and he's a creeper. It could be overlooked. (laughs) I could not overlook that, but okay. (laughs) It's okay. I can invite you over to swim in my glass-walled indoor pool. To each his own. (laughs) So this uh, became known as the Davis Mansion. Cullen and Priscilla were seriously living a lavish lifestyle. Some of the things they were into is absolutely beyond me. Okay. Priscilla did an interview with DM Magazine in 1977 and reading her quotes, all I can picture reading this is, I I hear it in my head, that lady from Green Acres, that what, uh, Eva Gabor, is that who she is? That's all I can imagine in my head. And she's just talking just like so nonchalant. She was like, yeah, there's this one time we just went to Mexico, darling. And we decided we were going to go see one of those donkey shows, darling. It was something I had never done before, but I would do again. Like, <laughs> nonchalantly, just like we went chill. to a donkey show. Yeah, and I was like, I'm reading this and I'm going, oh, y'all were a perfect match. <laughs> I mean, she was, it was, man, it went on and on. But according to Priscilla, Colin was a very violent husband. She said at one point she had bought him a pearl engraved hand carved pool stick. A pool stick. Yeah, like a pool cue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, just like a stick that you just play pool with. No, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> And one night, they were at a billiards tournament, and something happened. He lost, like, a lot. And he was so mad when they left, he took the stick and just, like, slammed it across the curb and shattered it. She's telling this story, and when she tells it, she says, well, he'd beaten more than just pool cues. She's like, he broke my nose twice and my collarbone just once. Just once. That's all. Yeah. And she said that he also broke her daughter Dee's nose once as well. Mm-hmm. And they, they actually did an interview with him at one point before things got really hectic and asked him about him hitting D. And he was like, she's getting smart alecky. Oh. Like, it was no big deal. So I needed to break her nose. Yeah. It just needed to happen. There's no other way. There was a particular incident that happened in 1972 at a hotel in Palm Springs. Priscilla had gone to look for Colin and found him on the dance floor with his hands on some girl's ass. Oh, that's never good. Right. And so when she's telling the story, she's like, oh, and she was asking for it. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like. I don't, I don't like him. (laughs) Well, that's what Priscilla said. She was like, I could tell the girl had, was, she was asking for it. And I'm like, okay, was that necessary? But whatever. So anyway, she got pissed off and went back to her room. When Colin got back to the room, she said he beat the crap out of her. Like, mm-hmm. kicked her in the stomach. Like, when she was laying on the ground, he, like, started, like, kicking her in the back and stuff. And he literally, like, beat her up. To the point where he got tired and just went to sleep. He was beating her and he got tired. Right. So he needed to go to sleep. Right. Okay. He was like, oh, this is such a workout. I'm just going to have to rest for a little while. So Priscilla said she had also injured herself one time during a skiing accident. And Cullen beat her with her own crutch. Tell me that ain't some shit. And I'm sure she's staying with him for the money, which is like. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they go to Mexico and go to donkey shows. I am not the one. <laughs> That's what 
up saying she's talking about like it's no big deal and i'm over here like you crazy person (laughs) like and there was even a point where she was like i don't really think he was ever really even interested in women she never said that like he was interested in men she just said that i don't think he was interested in women he just liked to use them as his dolls like his his show-off thing she said that whenever they went places together she always felt like his like model car that he had worked on and was showing it off mm-hmm. listen i don't have the patience for the upkeep i don't know <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I can't handle it so there was also an incident that he had gotten so pissed about d her daughter d had been mouthing about something and he got so pissed off he grabbed her cat and slammed it against the floor and it killed <gasps> the cat it killed the cat her cat oh yeah this is not a good man listen i'm not a fan of cats not because i have any ill will towards them cats do not like me they smell my fear so (laughs) we have an understanding i just don't go near them and bother them and they don't kill me but that makes me sad that he killed the cat yeah that's awful that's awful terrible horrible way to go so this was about the same time that colin and his brother bill started going at it. Bill was getting pissed because Colin was spending so much money. He actually ended up suing him because Colin had been using Ken Davis's assets as collateral to obtain personal <gasps> loans, creating a debt for Bill mounting up to $16 million. Oh no. How do you have that much money and you have debt? I don't get it. Well, he had a, a glass walled indoor pool. Yeah, but that's a lot of money that they were making. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I don't know. I've always, I don't know. We, you know, you and I were brought up the same way. The more money you make, the more money you spend. How were we brought up that way? Oh, that's oh, that's what Daddy always maybe it wasn't. Oh, <laughs> um. So you're saying we were brought up being taught being, yeah. that the more money you have, the more you spend, and you should save it, and right. you should do other things with it. I got you. Right. You should always try not to match what you're making. Mm-hmm. Like tr- you're, you know, just because you're making it doesn't mean you have to spend more. Right. Right. And the, I mean, you have to think about it. The three of these boys were all brought up in a wealthy family. Mm-hmm. So they, I mean, they never knew what it was like to be poor. So they just spend and spend like it's never going to go anywhere because they don't know any different. Right. Look at me assuming like I'm a psychologist or something. Colin had taken some of Priscilla's jewelry and expensive gifts and kept them. It doesn't say why he did this, but this was in reference to the the lawsuit from Bill. So I would imagine he was probably going to try to keep certain stuff so that he could go get money for it to pay the debt back, right? I guess. Or so, he's, just, he's just spiteful and doesn't want her to have it. I don't know. I don't know either. But Priscilla got pissed about him. There was a specific necklace... And she got pissed about it. And they got into this big fight. So she took his, like, crazy expensive car, drove it down the road, and left it there. And then walked (laughs) back. And, like, it was, like, this really dramatic, you know, like, rich people problems. (laughs) Okay. Um, So she comes back and she's like, if you want a divorce, then you're going to get one. And Colin was like, it's cool. I've done that before. It's fine. And Priscilla was like, not like this, homie. Not like this. Another one bites the dust. (laughs) So she files for divorce, but Good for her. okay. But she wants everything. <laughs> <laughs> so she files for divorce, but the two can't stop seeing each other. Like they keep meeting up back and forth. Like they start dating other people, but they keep coming back to each other. She said that she used to go visit him at his hotel all the time, and like either she was going to brag about whatever gift he bought her, like so she'd go spend his money and be like, "Look what you bought me," or to have sex with him. But then Priscilla met a man named 
Stan Farr. Now, Stan was a former basketball star at Texas Christian University, and he had managed nightclubs, was a concert promoter, and basically he was exploring the world of business management. Mm -hmm. He also ran around the wealthy crowds. So one of his closest friends was David Allen Goh. It was all... We know. We know David Allen Goh. That I could do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. So Priscilla and Stan got hot and heavy very, very quickly, making plans for the future, talking about marriage. By the summer of 1976, Stan had actually moved into the mansion with Priscilla. Cullen had also moved his new girlfriend into the mansion, Karen Master. No relation Wait, to his first wife. So all four of them yes, are girl. living in the mansion. Okay. Well, I mean, when you have a 2,000 square foot bedroom, I yes, guess. Yes, girl. His room. <laughs> yeah, so he had a new girlfriend, Karen Master, no relation to his first wife, they just happen to have the same last name, who was also another blonde bombshell. While their separate relationships looked super perfect, their divorce was headed down to Bittertown. Priscilla had already been awarded temporary alimony of $5,000 a month. Colin was ordered to pay her legal fees of $25,000 and expenses for running the mansion, which was $24,000. And this is temporarily, and they're not even right done. Right. Okay. So um, he was also ordered to pay other expenses, like he was ordered to give a, get a new car for D. There was a three thousand dollar Neiman Marcus tab, and then a ten dollar bill from the local grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> and so this was all while they were waiting to go to court for their actual divorce. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was all postponed because Priscilla needed to have two masses removed from her left breast. Mm. So everything kind of got postponed. But the hearing took place on August 2nd, 1976. And that's when the judge granted the postponement and had the increase to all to the alimony and the fees that Colin was to pay Priscilla. He increased it. Well, th- to the amounts that I just told you. Oh, I see. Okay. So all of that took place on August 2nd, 1976. After the hearing... Priscilla and Stan went to dinner and then out to drink out for drinks with some friends and they got home around 12:30 a.m. When they got home, they noticed that the security that the security system was turned off, but they didn't read a whole lot into it since it was like a huge mansion and they housed like a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. like her, all her kids plus the Davis family had access to it. Stan went upstairs and Priscilla went to the kitchen. As we do when we come home from dinner, we go to the kitchen and eat all the leftovers that we didn't eat while we were at dinner. So she goes into the kitchen and that's when an intruder approaches her dressed in all black, wearing a black wig, uh, holding their hands together with a dark plastic bag wrapped around them, said hi and shot Priscilla in the chest. What? Yeah, I know. It's real serious. It got real serious real fast. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's when Stan runs downstairs. Because he hears the gunshot. Right. The love of his life is something has happened. So he's running downstairs to go. Or maybe he just came downstairs for the hell of it. Either way, he goes towards the kitchen and a shot is fired through the door of the kitchen and hits him. Through the door. Yeah. But he keeps going and he gets the door open. And when he opens the door, the he tries to grab the intruder. And he gets shot again, and he falls to the floor. Now he's on the floor, and the intruder then fires two more shots. At Stan. mm -hmm. And in an interview that Priscilla did (laughs) with law enforcement, she said that she watched his eyes, 
and saw him die right in front of her. Oh. So Priscilla somehow manages to crawl away and get outside. So she's outside and she's crawling away and the intruder like goes outside and grabs her and is like come on come on and like starts pulling her back into the house. And that's when two family friends pull up Beverly Bass and Gus Gavril Jr. They all called him Bubba. Priscilla's screaming and, you know, all this stuff's happening and all that kind of stuff. So Beverly, like, goes running towards her and the guy turns around and fires a shot at Bubba and Beverly takes off running. Okay. While he's distracted, when the intruder is distracted, Priscilla grabs her denim skirt and wraps it around her chest and starts running. Because, you know, she's shot in the chest. She starts running. She gets about 400 yards away to the home of Clifford Jones. Starts banging on the door, screaming, asking for help, saying that everybody's getting shot, blah, blah, blah. They did not open the door. (laughs) But they did call an ambulance. That was so nice of them. I think these are the smartest people I've ever seen in any horror movie or any true crime (laughs) podcast, anything. (laughs) (laughs) They have someone screaming, banging on the door. She's got a denim skirt wrapped around her chest. She's bleeding, screaming, talking about everybody's getting shot. They're like, listen, that's all you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you some help. <laughs> like, you know what? You just stay right there. <laughs> We're going to call somebody. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> we got you, though. We got you. <laughs> so she, like, hides in their bushes. Because they're not, <laughs> they're not letting her ass in. So she hides in their bushes, bushes. And then when authorities get there, she's, like, so calm and lucid. And she's talking to them, explaining to them what happened. They didn't even realize she had been shot. (laughs) She unwrapped her skirt from her chest and she was like, here you go. And they were like, oh, you're shot. She was like, yeah, didn't I say that? So, I'm wondering if she's in shock or she's been beat her whole life. And so now she's just like, eh, whatever. But it almost, remember I told you, it almost seems like her entire personality is just nonchalant. Right. You know, she's we like... Went, we went to a donkey show, well, yeah. He beat me several times. He only broke my collarbone once. And there was this time I got shot. And I was talking to the ambulance drivers, and they didn't even know. And then it occurred to me, I had my dress on my chest. And I had on white after Labor Day. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So, yeah. So, she told him. She, she was like, just in case something happens to me, Colin did this. She says it to the cops. Right. So, at this point, there's like a whole SWAT team that's called into the mansion, right? Well, yeah. There's yeah. actually video walkthrough of them going into the house. Oh. It is super 70s. Amazing <laughs> quality. Do they have shag carpet? Oh, my gosh. Very, very tight pants. <laughs> And wallpaper, wallpaper everywhere. And sideburns like you wouldn't believe. Oh, sideburns for yes. days. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They go in. Authorities get to the house. They find Beverly Bass outside, who is unharmed, but obviously hysterical, right? Mm-hmm. And so Bubba, who was shot, is actually paralyzed. <gasps> oh. He didn't die. He's got to be a good guy. His name's Bubba. Obviously, we love Bubba's, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. He was just there to drop Beverly off to spend the night with Dee. <sighs> I know, and Dee wasn't even there. She had gone to stay with someone else. <laughs> Isn't that rude? It so is rude. rude. Oh, she could have known. Anyway, so 
he's shot, he's paralyzed. So when they start talking to Beverly, Beverly's like, uh, Colin shot Bubba. <gasps> so they were like, you know what? We may need to look into Colin, but we're gonna, we're gonna make that note and we're gonna look into that later. When they get into the home, they find broken glass and blood basically covering the first floor. It's like everywhere. Mm. Authorities enter the kitchen and they find the body of Stan Farr, who had been shot several times and he's deceased. So they start investigating the rest of the home and they stumble upon the basement. They have a red room in the basement. You, <laughs> you went finish the grave with that real fast. <laughs> real fast. <laughs> There's several donkeys lined up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so gross. So no, in the basement, authorities find 12-year-old Andrea Wilburn shot dead, execution style. What? Mm-hmm. Priscilla's daughter. Wow. Mm-hmm. So a pathologist, Linda Norton, would later say that the bullet severed her main artery and that she actually bled to death. So Linda said that her death was not instantaneous and that the child remained conscious for several minutes and perhaps as long as an hour. <gasps> oh, that's awful. Mm-hmm. Terrible, terrible, terrible stuff. They conclude their investigation at the home. They're like, we need to find Davis. We need to find Colin. We need to find what the heck's, find out what's going on. Like, so, where in the hell is this man? Right. So, they find him at the home of his girlfriend, Karen Masters, or Master. So, he's contacted by phone. Uh, his oldest brother, Ken, calls him and is like, hey, you heard about the shooting at the mansion? Colin's like, no, who was shot? No, what are you talking about? So, Ken's like, so I heard it was Priscilla was shot and Andrea and Bubba. And Colin's like, well, who shot him? And Kid said, I'm not sure, but the police are looking for you, right? Naturally. Right. So Colin was like, all right, well, cool. I'm going back to bed. Oh, who cares? <laughs> They're look Cops are looking at me for murder? Whatever. <laughs> They'll, they can call me in the morning. Police surround the master home. Um, Colin is allowed to get dressed and he is escorted, uncuffed, downtown well of course very nonchalant casual so the da asked for an eighty thousand dollar bond and asked so they call the judge and they're like hey you mind leaving court and walking on over to the jail for arraignment and the judge agrees well yeah he's like yeah i'll walk over there it's cool colin davis of course they are it's like totally rad bro so he walks over and he agrees that the bond is fine and stated he's like he probably won't hurt anybody again. I heard he was again? drunk. Yeah. The, this is what the judge says. The judge is like, yeah, the bond is fine. He probably won't hurt anybody again. Uh, he was drunk. He gets mad when he gets drunk. And uh, so he's probably just drunk. Wow. Listen. Wow. I've, I've come in contact with a lot of judges in my day. And none have been so nice. <laughs> none of them. We should all be so lucky. And I have never even done anything bad. And they're still Against not nice. Yeah, you know what I mean. So anyway. We're good people. <laughs> <laughs> Colin is released immediately because he bonds out. Right. And he hires Phil Burleson, the Dallas lawyer that defended Jack Ruby. Ooh. Yeah, big deal. Big people. In case anybody doesn't know that's listening, Jack Ruby is the guy that killed Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee Harvey Oswald <laughs> is allegedly the guy that killed JFK. And allegedly. If you don't know that, then that's sad. 
Well, we do have a lot of international listeners that may not be familiar with JFK. JFK, John F. Kennedy, was our president Mm -hmm. and was shot and killed in Dallas. Mm -hmm. What year was that? Man, my mom when you need her. She can pop off. November. November. (laughs) That helped. (laughs) November 63, but I don't remember mm. date. The date, the date. Well, anyway, Phil, the lawyer, ended up getting into a squabble with the prosecutor. Oh. So, in addition, Cullen added Richard Racehorse Haynes to his defense team. He was a well-known attorney from Houston, famous for cases like Texas versus John Hill and The Kissing Bandit and Vicki Daniel. Okay. If you don't know those, look them up. After 17 days of freedom, Cullen was caught trying to catch a flight to Houston. Because, obviously, they were tailing him. Well, they were like, he's trying to skip town. He didn't have any bags with him. No nothing. But they were like, he's trying to leave because his plane had enough fuel in it to get, like, 2,000 miles or something. like. I don't remember. Anyway, they placed him in the Tarrant County Jail until his hearing. He's a flight risk. <laughs> Well, yeah, when you have that much money, I mean, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. An $80,000 bond on a double homicide and a billionaire. And the judge is like, he's probably not going to do it again. It's fine. (laughs) That's what it's like when you have friends in high places. (laughs) Yes. Basically, it's a cut and dry case, right? An obvious murder. Obvious motive with two eyewitnesses. Cut and dress. Right. Signed, sealed, delivered. Well, I don't know. Question. All right. So you said this person was covered, head was in all black and a wig whenever he attacked Priscilla and Stan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then you said that Beverly and Bubba came up to the house mm-hmm. because Beverly was going to stay with D, mm-hmm. and this person shoots and paralyzes Bubba. Mm-hmm. Was how did they know? How did Beverly identify the person dressed all in black as Cullen? Okay, so Bubba says that he didn't actually see the person. Because the second he turned around, he was shot and he was down. Right. Priscilla says that she was talking to him the whole time. And was like... Stan? She was talking to Cullen? Yes. That like... (laughs) Okay. That she, she walked in the kitchen, he's standing there... And she looks up at him, and he goes, hi, and shoots her. Wait, 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 wait. Beverly? Or Priscilla? Priscilla. No, let me rephrase. Let me tell you. Okay. Like I said, it's a cut and dry case. Obvious motive. Obvious murder. Two eyewitnesses. Priscilla said that she saw him when he shot her. That she saw his face. He was dressed in all black and had on a black wig. But she is saying that she saw his face. And that... When she crawled outside, Colin goes outside and drags her back to the house. And the whole time he's dragging her, she's like, Colin, don't do this. You know I love you. You're the only man I've ever loved. Blah, blah, blah. And that's when Beverly and Bubba pull up and he gets distracted. And that's when she ties the skirt around her chest and runs off. Right. Okay. So, he goes over to the car and Beverly said she walks up. Because she can hear Priscilla screaming and says, oh my god, it's Cullen. 
And when Bubba turned around, that's when he got shot. Bubba said he never saw who it was that shot him. But he does say that he heard her say... He, oh he my heard God, her say cold. that, okay? And then mm-hmm. Beverly runs off, okay? So, okay. like I said, cut and dry case, right? Right. Okay, there's a reason why I didn't tell you their stories at the beginning. Because... That's just their side of the story. Okay. However, there is no tangible evidence that actually links Cullen to the scene of the crime. Mm. There is no murder weapon, no fingerprints, no footprints, no tire tracks, no bloody clothes, no black clothes, no wig. None of it has ever been found. What? And he was at his girlfriend's house. Hmm. The defense... That Cullen's attorneys use is basically a lack of evidence. And he fo- they focus on the eyewitness testimony, specifically from Priscilla. So his attorney, Haynes, racehorse Haynes, paints this picture of Priscilla, this lavish lifestyle. She, you know, she's into, you know... She can't lose all of this, all of these things she's used to. Right, she's into this kinky sex, she's off with all these men she's doing drugs she's drinking she's partying she's social they they depict this whole world she's addicted to painkillers so this makes her an unreliable witness because her testimony could have been the result of confusion (laughs) okay but what about beverly (laughs) so the prosecution had to rely solely on the two eyewitness accounts That is the only evidence they had to go on. That's it. Their entire case was based on these two girls said he did it. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, had it just been an attack on Priscilla and Stan, it would have been much easier to pass it off as a crime of jealousy because the two were really happy and he had just been ordered to pay all this extra money and all this kind of stuff pending the divorce. It could have been an easy case to bring. Beverly and Gus into the whole thing since they just drove up and you know he's startled so he turns and shoots him however none of it explains what happened to the 12 year old girl and why they find her dead in the basement that's true I forgot about how do you forget about the girl because there is so much going on with this family I can't tell you the wormholes I went down that's crazy. I mean, I'm trying to focus on the case, and I go off on this whole thing about, like, I don't know, she likes jumping horses, and it's a whole thing, and and then you're like, oh my gosh, she's crazy, or he's crazy, and it's crazy. Anyway, so everyone said that she was the kindest little girl. She was so well-mannered, even to Cullen, and they said that D. Priscilla's other daughter was the one that was always provoking Colin, not Andrea. So mm-hmm. nobody can understand why this happened to her. Right. If it had happened to Dee, they'd be like, okay, well. She pissed him off and he did it. Right. Right. They had no, honestly, they had no reason to blame Colin and they didn't have any reason to think anyone else would do it to her either. So there's several people that said if he hadn't shot the little girl, no one really would have cared about everyone else. And it was, it was the fact that the little girl got shot. That's what pissed everybody off. Right. Everything's out there, out in the open, ready for trial. So he is tried for the murder of Andrea Wilburn. Cullen enters a plea of not guilty. And apparently, the jury couldn't wrap their minds around the idea that a guy with that much money could do something like this. What? The trial went on for three months. The jury deliberated for five hours 
and came back with their verdict. Not guilty. Wow. Wow. But see, so they're like, mm, he's got so much money. No, he wouldn't have done that. But see, that's the problem with cases like this. This is why, like, people get so upset. What is taking them so long to take these people to trial? What's taking them so long to arrest this person? We know they did it. They need evidence or some shit like this will happen. Yeah. Because they had nothing. I'm trying to figure out, what did he do if he did it? What did he do with the clothes he was wearing in the wig? Mm, well, I'm not done. Mm, mm. <laughs> I'm going to get another drink. Yes, do that. Here I am. <laughs> okay, great. Ready? Mm-hmm. So, um, they come back with a verdict, not guilty. Colin and Priscilla move forward with their divorce. Priscilla wanted $50 million. <laughs> $50 million. I can't even begin. I can't. Nine months after his acquittal, Colin again got involved in some questionable stuff the law of course so one of his friends david mccory told the fbi that cullen asked him to find a hitman and that he needed 15 people dead including priscilla and judge joe edson the judge over his divorce case oh why so naturally the fbi did what the fbi does they arrange a sting where they put the judge in the back of a trunk smear ketchup on him to make it look like the job was complete (laughs) And take a picture. McCory goes to meet with Cullen and he's like, look dude, it's done. He's all wired up and stuff. So Cullen pays him $25,000 for the completion of the job. That's pretty cheap for a hit. I'm telling you. And of a judge? Come on. Uh, so Cullen's arrested again. And he calls old racehorse Hayne back to the drawing board to defend him. He's of like, well, you, you did awfully good the first time. Let's, let's have you back. So, the whole trial was a mess of he said, she said, between the prosecutor, Jack Strickland, and Racehorse Haynes, and it ultimately ended in a mistrial. (laughs) So, by the time they were granted a new trial, the entire community was believing that the prosecution had some sort of vendetta against Cullen. I mean, they were just pissed. They were like, y'all are out to get him. He's completely innocent, man. He would never do anything like this. He's an upstanding citizen. This he is likes y'all. donkey shows. <laughs> so after less than a day of deliberation by the jury, the judge reads the verdict. I'm quoting. Not guilty. I'm quoting the judge on this. Okay? Okay. He says, quote, fuck, this jury has acquitted Cullen Davis. Unquote. Ooh. <laughs> That's just terrible. (laughs) (laughs) That's just terrible. I mean, basically their defense was like, he knew this was happening the whole time and he went along with it for whatever reason, but he knew no one was actually getting hurt. And I mean, it was like a whole thing. So that's the judge's verdict. Um, He's acquitted. So after... After the after that, the state was so badly embarrassed from their repeated losses that they never even pursued Cullen for the murder of Stan Farr or for shooting Priscilla Davis and Bubba. Aww. Isn't that terrible? Yes. That's just terrible. But, you know, based off of this, I don't think they would have gotten very far. Well, no. I mean, he'd be... They didn't have not anything. Guilty. So, eventually, Priscilla was awarded $3.5 million in her divorce. Instead of the fifty she wanted? Yeah. She had to settle. Poor girl. <laughs> Sad day. And she began a relationship with 
Jack Strickland. Mm. The prosecutor in Cullen's murder for hire case. Oh my god. <laughs> Get out in the world, people. Welcome to Texas, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> So, Cullen Davis ended up marrying Karen Master on June 5th, 1979, and adopted her two sons, Trey Davis and Chelsea Davis. So, the children of Stan Farr later sued Davis for wrongful death and received a settlement of $250,000. That's all? I felt like it was a little low. Mm-hmm. It's a little low. So, Priscilla and Jack Wilburn, Andrea's father, sued Cullen over the death of their daughter, which Cullen did allegedly apologize to Wilburn. What? Yeah. So Jack says that he, that Cullen apologized to him. Cullen said he didn't, he didn't do nothing of the sort. But Jack was like, he didn't say, I apologize for killing your daughter. He said, I apologize for, or he said, can you forgive me for what I did? Well, that's guilty. And that's not even what shocks me. What shocks me is Jack's response to that. He tell he tells Cullen, I forgave you a long time ago. <gasps> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'm not even in for the family killing, and I don't forgive him. For killing his daughter. Or beating on him. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Any of the above. Wow. So, in the end, Thomas Cullen Davis eventually lost his oil fortune in the recession of the 1980s and declared bankruptcy. Ooh. Cullen and Karen sold the mansion and the 300 acres to a real estate developer in 1984, where it is now a neighborhood called... Stonegate. And in the center of said neighborhood is the Stonegate Mansion. Oh, wow. Which is now event venue that if you have a very deep pocket you can have for your event. (laughs) And it is beautiful. I wonder. Do they tell people about it? Is this like the plaza in June type money? Or like... What are we talking? Well, considering the fact that I have none, everything is like the plaza in June type money. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Beautiful place, though. If they hold all kinds of events there, if you ever get a chance to go there, go there. I would love to go there. It's absolutely beautiful. But they, I mean, it's not like they tell people this story. Right. <laughs> but it's absolutely beautiful. Of course. <laughs> um. So, Karen, Cullen's wife, passed away of organ failure September 22nd, 2016, which, mm. side note, that's also Cullen's birthday. Oh. Um, Cullen became a born-again Christian and even worked with James Rodison, a famous televangelist, controversial televangelist, and Cullen continues to live in the Fort Worth area. Still? Mm-hmm. To this day? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Priscilla Lee Baker Wilborn Davis moved to Dallas Spent a decade partying and depleting her settlement money. By 1982, she was broke and moved into a one-bedroom apartment in 1991. She died of breast cancer in 2001 at the age of 59. Kenneth Davis Jr., the oldest brother, went on to become a very successful businessman despite his brother's brushes with the law. I told you several things that he had accomplished already. He passed away March 16th of 2017 due to heart complications and is entombed in the family mausoleum at Greenwood. Mm. William Bill Davis, he still runs the William S. Davis collection for Tarrant County, most of it's consisting of his own family photos and items. It also features historical Fort Worth pictures and items, and of course, railroad memorabilia. Interesting. And he still lives in the 
Fort Worth area. So the other two brothers seem to do just fine, but Colin mm-hmm. just couldn't get his crap together. Well, he just... He's a bad person. It seems like he's a bad person. He is depicted as not being a very nice guy. (laughs) Although, he allegedly didn't do anything. (laughs) I mean, with there not being any evidence... It's difficult, right? It is. It's difficult to say... You know, we've got to look. We got to look at it from the jury. The jury's. If we're looking at it from the jury's point of view, was there enough evidence to convict? And I don't know that there was. If there, I mean, because they're in a divorce battle, mm-hmm. right? Right. And it's like, you know, who's telling the truth here? <laughs> Is she just trying to get money, and she's trying to get him him in jail, and she wants all the money, mm-hmm. or or is he lying? And he's trying not to give up any of his money. I don't know. Right. And with no evidence to go on, I don't know. I just feel like under normal circumstances, and when I say normal, the middle class citizenship normal circumstances, there would have been a thorough search to try to find the murder weapon or, you know, fingerprints or the black clothing or the wig or whatever. And I just, I'm not 100% positive with the A-list status that that was necessarily done. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that they didn't. I'm just saying they're, they didn't talk about it a lot in all of the articles that I read. So, I feel like it's almost one of those things that was kind of brushed off. Like, you have anything on you? No? Okay, good. <laughs> that makes and sense. And maybe so. Yeah. You know, Priscilla does not have the cleanest background in the world. Yeah. Um, when she was a teenager, she was arrested for shoplifting. Oh, mm-hmm. we have a rebel. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she had her first husband and she said, when asked why they split up, she said that he must not have known that after you get married, you stop dating other people. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why their marriage ended. Not everybody knows that. <laughs> In case you're wondering, people, when you get married, dating's over. Well, dating, dating other people. It's off the table. <laughs> Unless you're into that sort of thing. I'm nobody to judge. This um, is true. <laughs> and then, but her first husband and her second husband both said that she was just the nicest person and any man would be lucky to have her. Oh. And she totally cheated on Jack. Like, that she says she did it. She said that she didn't start her relationship with Colin until after, but... Think she did? No, I think that she saved herself for marriage. <laughs> uh, you can only wear white to a wedding once. <laughs> That's not true. I've done it twice. <laughs> oh, see, you're telling on yourself. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was just kind of... She actually, when she first met Cullen, uh, she was with her husband, and Cullen was with his wife, his first wife, and they played doubles against each other in tennis, Mm -hmm. and Priscilla's like, we slaughtered them, so. I mean, you've got, if you ever get a chance to read her interview for D Magazine, it is. (laughs) Is it pretty funny? It's comical, to say the least. I mean, like I said, I kept. Like, because, you know, when you're reading something, especially when somebody's speaking, you always kind of envision, like, you can hear it in your head what you think they sound like. Right. Okay. And that's what I keep picturing. I keep picturing the lady from Green Acres. (laughs) 
Like, just put it over there, darling. You know? Like, <laughs> I can't. Oh, people. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a little drunk. <laughs> I'm a little drunk. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> not, I'm not kidding, though. Mm-hmm. This was one of the most amazing cases I've ever read. I was yeah. fascinated by this story. I agree. <laughs> that was... I can't believe I haven't heard of that because, I mean, that seems like that'd be a br- pretty big story in Texas. And maybe it was, but I guess it was so long ago that we just didn't hear about it. Well, I mean, it was in the 70s, so yeah. I had never heard about the Stonegate Mansion until I was looking for wedding venues. And even then, I had no idea that this is kind of what it came to. So yeah. Just just stay poor. Just stay poor. <laughs> stay poor. So yeah, that was good. It was good. That was really good. That was a good story. It was long enough, right? can't believe he got away with... Well, I say he... I need to stop doing that. Maybe he's innocent. <laughs> we don't know. We don't... Well, he is innocent. He was acquitted. If the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. Oh, God. <laughs> Alright, well, I appreciate you joining us. Like it was us on good. Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Yes. Leave a review, good or bad, preferably good. You don't really like the bad one. But you can leave a bad one, but uh, please comment and let us know. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to know how she can improve. <laughs> it bothers her when you don't tell us what we did wrong. <laughs> but But shout out to the people that help us correct what we've done wrong. Thanks, Mom. Oh, yeah, we've gotten a lot of that, yes. Yeah. Appreciate you, Mom. Don't. <laughs> There's a couple. Well, I said that. I said at the beginning of this, we don't have a translator. True. <laughs> so if we're saying it wrong, it's because we don't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to the next. All right, here we go.